The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour, a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I'm Sapphire My pronouns are him, his, and he. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers! Okay, what are we drinking today? Something that's appropriate for the read today. Oh, yes? Because it's a New York type drink. It's called the Bronx Cocktail. The Bronx Cocktail, okay. And so this is dry gin. So basically two parts of dry gin and uh, one part of sweet vermouth, one part of dry vermouth, and one part of fresh squeezed oranges. Interesting. Shaken, and then I used a blood orange twist. Oh, nice. Yeah. So... If you have an ounce of sweet vermouth and an ounce of dried vermouth, Does doesn't it cancel, cancel each, each other, other out? out? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think that the sweet vermouth gives a sweetness, but also it gives a color so it doesn't come mm. up like a screwdriver. That's pretty good. Oh, yeah. You can taste, see, you can taste the layers of the vermouth. It tastes kind of like a screwdriver. Isn't that amazing? But it's gin. Yeah. It's gin. Yeah. Gin and juice. Gin and juice. Yeah. Mm. It's an easy drink. That's the thing. Oh, yeah. I can drink that right down. Yeah. And you can see how we have a lot of gin and juice drinks. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So. It's good. Yes, well, I don't want to let this moment pass. Not as good as our scene. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What a scene that was, too. Yeah. It... We were just talking about it, how we've been together a couple of years. We were playing regularly. Yeah, regularly. And then we yeah. have scenes almost, like intense, high-protocol scenes almost every week. Yep. Yep. We've done that going a hundred times. Yeah. You know, yeah. a couple of years. And the way our self expression as sexual creatures has played out in today's experience of you being marked. Yeah. In our scene, high protocol, chains, floggers, you know, all of that. It was quite remarkable how present I was to the experience of being with you in a completely unconstrained sexual way it was quite remarkable i was thinking about this getting dressed because we had talked about that and you're like i'm just trying to keep it together and not come you know and that mm-hmm. kind of thing and, and keep myself going right well the hard While thing for I'm me, in it yeah the hard, I mean? the hard thing for me as the dom in a scene with somebody that i'm romantically <laughs> involved with yeah is to not just ejaculate well that's what i mean and yeah. so i was saying to my thinking to myself you know, you've you've shared other sluts prior to me, right? Yeah. And 
long scenes that go forever and ever and ever. Kind of hours, thing. yeah. Hours and hours. And I think, well, how does that... Uh, well, we can't... That, that wouldn't happen because there's too much wrapped up in our scenes. It's, Those were scenes where you're just using someone as yeah. a sadist or um, as a dom, right. right? And you don't have any attachment to the person. Zero, right. Yeah, exactly. And so the impact so was I could disassociate. Well, and you could change it up as you chose to right. because but, you aren't involved. But, but my experience is I hardly ever had an ejaculation during right. these extended scenes because I would just get into what I call dom space. Dom space, that's what I mean. But you yeah. can also decide to tie them up and walk away. Which I often did, yeah. Right, and because you yourself want a break or you mm-hmm. want a reprieve of the energy that you have created, right? Yeah. And we're in this... And so so your scenes go up and down, up and down for hours and hours, right? Yes, you exactly. Know, you know? And ours goes like I swear to God because I've I'm in love with it's everything it's yes I I didn't know until we were playing that I how much I love chains when you chain me it it allows me to move into a space that's different than everyday play kind sure of thing and it triggers something in me that associates our high protocol you, you right. know what I'm saying yes and because it, it's part of our our procedure and protocols and it brings me to a place where you know we get done and we're like you wore me out you wore me out you know it's it's like that because it's zero to 60 it's not an undulation it is an increasing climb the intensity intensity. just grows and grows yes because the energy gets higher and that and the feelings that i'm having vibrations everything is more intense as we go not merely because of what we do, we do escalate our play, but it's that's how I'm experiencing the world when I'm with you. Yeah, no, it's a very it's heightened experience of sexuality, and I'm experiencing myself in new places sexually yeah. with you. That, you know, I mean, to be in full arousal for an hour, right, and to be engaged with you. To maintain the arousal. Exactly. Like me, using me as your, I'm now your two-hole slut. (laughs) But creating combinations that work for you as a dominant to be aroused continuously while you're still being dominant. Because we know dommy headspace moves you in a direction. Yeah, it's a very remarkable experience. The fact that I'm emotionally attached to you Mm -hmm. and I'm romantically involved with you has me interact with you in a way that heightens even the experience of the DS dynamic Yes, in that scene to the point where I'm just like so wrapped up in the experience. I, I literally have to come. It, have to. It's have to. intoxicating. I'm, yeah. you're, we're nearly swimming in this energy juice fluid, if you will, that's between us. And like I can tell you're, you're getting to your super dummy and you're, but you're also in this kind of like, oh, fuck, it's getting close you know and i'm today when you got up on the chair it was like you were in the most perfect i don't know why it was like the perfect position yeah to get access to your ass and like and my balls and my cock and and eat your ass and like i was ravenous i was like you know when i tell you like because you do you smell like cookies to me all the time (laughs) I was like, that's what I was being enveloped with. Is that pheromone washing over me and just, yeah. I was trancing. Well, you were at that I was point, in a trance state almost. You should have been, yeah, because you had been flogged like 500 plus times, caved yeah. a bunch of times. Yeah. Face fucked, ass fucked, ass eaten. I mean, you were like, 
in a state of extreme arousal yourself. Oh yeah, even when we stopped and you unchained me. Yeah. I'm not down yet. I'm no. I'm still like kind of getting bearings on just things where like you are. I right. can sit now and right. I can kneel what you know, like everything is slow. It's like the nervous system has been pushed to its limit. And then even laying here I feel like I'm tired but I'm not tired and all of a sudden then I'm asleep. Right. And even when I woke up I was like vibrating i could feel my whole body vibrating and then of course i know what that means i'm still subby and then i i'm getting dressed and i'm getting the chills and i'm like this yeah. is totally subby i'm so subby right now right and just having the knowledge of that and loving the man when i'm with yeah. is just for those to be joined like that is it's killer it's so awesome it's killer yeah it's so it. awesome i love it Me too chapter 11 it invokes a lot of things for me. Well, first of all, let's just make a note. We're in part two of the book. Part yes. one ended. And the conclusion of part one was the transition from banker to dominatrix. Correct. And we had Jane last week talking about that transition. And so now we're in part two. And chapter 11 is Erica and Amy, Amy like interacting around like this concept of her actually being a dominatrix. And she's actually challenged by it like she's having a conversation with herself about how she'd much rather be like a banker somewhere even in abu dhabi yes than actually deal with what is in front of her but she's confronted by the reality foreign yeah but she's she's confronted by the reality that her bank account is empty and she needs cash i was taken by a statement she said you know she talked about the abu dhabi issue with her and it was alongside the issue of you know, her, a real concern of being a sex worker right. and worried about going to jail or yes. something like that. And I have to say, I, it stirred me because there have been probably two points in my life, uh, in my early 20s in college, where I had nothing. And I was living in, in Southern California, so I was really close to Hollywood, and I was clubbing a lot and in underground clubs and rages and things like that. And I thought I'd never been to a strip club, but the reality was I was willing to start doing that to make ends meet. Yeah, we had survival we had, sex work. Right, we had David on last week talked about survival right. sex work, right? And I know that I'm not having sex per se as a striptease, but then there was another point in my life where I was a little older, even married at this point, and was actually talking to my spouse at the time because we would, it, just, it just wasn't happening. We You were out of money. We needed to have a way to have money. And regretfully, he wasn't doing it, and I don't, I'm really not going to sit here and put him down for that. The circumstances were what they were. Right. Now, as I flash to the end of my marriage, I recognize now, in retrospect, that at the time, yes, he should have taken some of the blame of that. But at the time when I was in it, I was like trying to be helpful. And I was like, I could easily do this. I could do and this. What were you, two, what were I was going to go strip and things like that. I, I could do it two or three nights a week. Yeah. And make money, and I said, then I could, we could, we could buffer our income, and I said, I also can live the life of a woman, because because what I was recognizing at that time, that didn't become apparently clear until at the end of it, that I was unable to do things for myself as a woman, just in normal upkeep, 
because of his domineering control. Mm. And of course, he didn't approve of any of that. He, first of all, didn't approve, and then he gave me all the scare stories about, right. I can't have you being um, arrested. And right. I thought, arrested? for That's a legal profession. People strip. That's yeah. what it is. And um, I just remember when you read that, I was like, wow, that takes me back to that moment when oh, I was yeah. like, what yeah. am I going to do so I can have a happy life. Like I'm in a marriage I don't I don't appreciate, right. and I'm not able to do anything. Right. I mean, I was with let's just say I was in suburbia, and, and and this may sound shallow to people, but there's not a lot that I was that was going right in my marriage. And I thought I can't even get my nails done. I can't right. go get my hair done. I can't go. I never bought clothes, and so it was like what am I doing? I felt like what I was doing was here I am working, mm. providing for the family, paying all the bills, cooking, all these things. And maybe this is why I gravitated towards slave initially because that was the existence I was living. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that the Amy is confronted by that. I think she has real concerns and yeah. I get that that's scary. I remember really, really considering it Yeah. and being scared by that. Like, yeah. The consequences of that, like, well, yeah. will I lose my freedom because I choose this? Yeah. Well, you know, she has the experience of being aggressively pursued by Eric on one hand and aggressively pursuing employment on the other and then being impacted by the catastrophe of the Wall Street collapse. Exactly. And all of those Lehman Brothers people out on the streets and all of a sudden her opportunities that might have developed aren't available to her because there's like thousands of similarly skilled workers looking for work that she's looking for. Yeah, and not to belabor this, but I was thinking, what a fantastic thing that we were able to to uh, interview Michael Crow and right. David Hunter right. and, and, and really learn David's experience on right. being a survival sex worker, right? right? That's very real. I, I don't diminish that at any point. I I get exactly that, right? And I did not experience his life. Right. He was extremely he was extremely discreet about how he expressed his history on the streets. Sure. Right? So cuz he's sensitive to not trigger but he did let on other people. But we all got challenges, that the, right? the challenges he was up against. Sure. Was the street was his area that he could use, right. and he used it, and to great effect. That led him to where he was able to to learn things about himself and decide later in life, right, what he would and would not expect. Sure. The other side of it is knowing that we interviewed Michael and knowing that he has created this space right. where practitioners sex workers and practitioners can rent his space and express themselves and express themselves and let's be honest and make a living with clients sure right yeah because that's what it, we're talking about well that's what amy spoke to she's talked about how she had no money coming in and there were all these clients who had plenty of money wanting to get to erica and all she had to do was show up it's all she well, had to do and, and that leads me to my concerns before and where I've evolved as a sexual creature yeah. and my exploration of feet and things like that, yeah. I think, wow, there's now really, truly opportunities of safe spaces to consider growth as a sexual creature to say, 
I could consider safely. I could consider safely um, a foot fetish scene or appointment or service in a place like that. My concern is, is when you start talking about, which Amy, I'm sure, is considered because she's kind of experimented with this. When you start considering hotels, I mean, that's where the police case places and set things up. And we're not here to go aha and catch people. I really believe sex work is... I personally believe it's legitimate work. Yeah, it's real work. Right. The honesty is, is they should have a union. Yeah. That protects them and provides them benefits. Right. Period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that there should be some kind of networking system where people can shop for people and services that they want and get it. Because this is the fact of what it is to be human. Yeah. Not sex everybody work. finds their partner or their one. Yeah. And they still are sexual beings no matter what. Sex work must be decriminalized. It must be. Yeah. I just don't you think so? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it should be legalized. Okay, so this and is my argument. We're getting off topic, but this is yeah. important. When we were talking about legalizing marijuana in Washington, right. for example, and I was in California way early when they talked about this same topic, but yeah. really I'm talking about Washington. You know, the typical arguments come up. Oh God, if you legalize it, then everyone's going to be high at work and everyone's going to be doing this and we're going to have more more accidents on the freeway and all this. It's bullshit, right? Right. Right? We know this. So what's happened is there's dispensaries and people go and use it for recreational play, which means recreational or medicinal. Some people you have medicinal outside of work hours, right? Yeah. Okay. We do that. So bingo, right? That's happening. Yeah. So the same thing, it's exactly the same. I mean, it's really the best analogy to use for sex workers. It's just that people put their moral ideals, attach it to the sex work. Well, that's the whole point, right? The whole point is that a lot of our American experience of sexuality is inside of a morality of provincial and puritanical But that's why it works with the same analogy of marijuana. Puritan values attach the marijuana argument. Okay, so that's the argument. So they say, if we legalize sex work, which what it really does is protects the sex worker and the John or the Jane, right? Right. Oh my God, everyone's going to run out and get sex. That's not happening. No, because people can do that now even so, right, exactly. let's be honest what Tinder and all these other places are for. So let's be honest about it. Now you get to go similar to what Amsterdam has without the red light mm-hmm. district, let's say. And they have to be tested so often. Right. They have protocols on safe sex. Right. Even if it's kink and BDSM. Right. Right? And it protects the both sides. It protects of the, everybody. It protects everyone. And then... Yeah. So there's people already who are in these marriages that no one knows about, and they're fucking on the side. If we have it legal, those same people are going to still do that, but now they have options of doing it safely so they don't bring something back home. Yeah, no, you're right. And we are getting off topic. I know. And we should get back on the topic. But it's it's important because she's talking about sex work. It's true. And there's nothing wrong with sex work. And what Amy is confronted by is a made-for her dungeon with clients for her that are ready to pay money. Already set up. Already set up. And Eric is giving her the lowdown on her apparatus and her tools. And books to read. And her books. And she's getting like a a quick study. She's getting schooling. Yeah, she's getting a quick study 
in how to be a professional dominatrix. And Erica's getting ready to ship her latex factory to <laughs> Switzerland. Switzerland, yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting, you know. And the thing is, like, what there's I a future for Amy. In what this. I appreciate about Erica's style. Yeah. And she is friends with Amy, so yeah. they have a rapport. She's given her stuff to read. She's talking about equipment. Right. But she's not saying you have to do this. Right. And that's key because every dominant has to express themselves the way they express themselves. Yeah, they so shouldn't be a her, copycat dominant. No, she's giving her an opportunity to flourish in her own space. Because that's really authenticity. Yeah. And then, and Erica knows this, but Amy doesn't yet. Right. But that authenticity, even though she's not Erica with the right. same clients, authenticity, people feel. No, for sure. And respond to people's authenticity. And therefore, she'll be successful. Successful, yeah. And at the end of the chapter, Erica is speaking to Amy about a particular shibari tie. Yeah. And she's saying, look, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be good enough. And I think that's really the secret to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Because... What we, what we know about Amy is she's beautiful and she's dominant and she's got some basic skills and she will be fine because, you know, if you think about the relationship between a dominant and a submissive, mm-hmm. they're not going to judge Amy's skill set. They're going to respond to her dominance. And right. that's what's going to happen. Well, and that brings me to also Erica's, the style that Erica's schooling her yeah. is giving without even saying it, is giving Amy confidence in herself. Like right. she keeps reinforcing that you, you'll you do fine. You'll know what you're doing. Yeah. Which is what she needs more than reading a book. True. Is the confidence. You have to have skill because you don't want to hurt someone. In right. kink especially versus just vanilla sex. Right. There's a chance of hurting people. So you have to be, you have to have basic knowledge. Yeah. Which Amy's gathering because she's reading the stuff like she's yeah. told. And I, I really appreciated the conversation about control, about how every inch of suspension reduces yeah. the ability. Exactly. Of you don't the, have to go jump them up five feet. Right. It reduces the ability of the submissive to respond. And it's really about, that's really the source of dominance and submission. It's all about control. Well, did you hear about, this is like a dungeon tip, like right. the whole wench thing she has. Right. She pushes a button. And it goes up an inch. Right. That's perfect. If you think about it, and I'm an anal dominant, so I go an inch and I experience a session with them. And if it's going well, I might go another inch and experience a session. And if they're starting to go south, right? Now I'm going to make a note, which she has extensive files on her submissives. Right. That, okay, this many pushes of the button is where this person's at right now. They may advance later, but that's where I need to push them to. Well, I think that the conversation gets at the essence of dominance and submission, which is it's all about control. And if you think about your relationship with me, mm-hmm. and you think about what's at the source of that relationship, it's really the question of power exchange. And this conversation about how much control to take and how much to give is really about the power exchange. And so... What I like about this chapter is it hints at the seriousness with which dominance and submission is addressed in this book. And I think that's something that Jen's done very well. I think Mm -hmm. she's so far explored the question of the power exchange in a way that really speaks to people who are actually practicing in the power exchange. It breaks it down when they talk about the wench. Yeah. 
in a way that any layperson could understand yeah, absolutely, it. Absolutely, yeah. But as a kinkster, what we get out of it, very specifically, obviously the power exchange, but what I get more out of it as my profession as a coach yeah. is exactly that. Coaches never just swing far to the right or far to the left right. when they're incremental. working. You incrementally move yeah, someone yeah, yeah. to build up tolerance and continue moving them. I mean, the reality of getting someone to run a faster mile, they aren't going to run a four-minute mile in the beginning day. No, no, no. But if you see the potential as a dominant, which is what a coach is, yeah, yeah, yeah. then you go, oh, yeah, I got this covered. I can get you there. Yeah. Well, I'm appreciative of the exploration of dominance and submission yeah. that this chapter gets into Yeah. because dominance and submission is about agreements and about power exchange and about power and control. And this chapter begins to get at that in a way that other books we've read, for example, don't. Right. Yeah. So chapter 11, pretty good start to, Excellent start. to section two. Yeah. That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! Okay.